Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. LPN Deep Dives presents... A Court of Thorns and Roses. With Natalie Jean and Jackie Zabrowski. Oh, my bosoms. Are you seducing yourself yeah, right now? Yeah, I'm seducing myself. I'm looking at myself in the camera and I go, oh my God, they going to fall out. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Uh-oh, they going to fall. You we can have that. I know where my nipples are. The nipples aren't going anywhere. I want everyone to know this. Uh, They're not going anywhere. Uh, I wasn't worried, but now I am. Oh, all of you audio-only listeners are missing out on a show. <laughs> she is looking. We're looking at ourselves in on camera, and she is shake giving em. herself the eye. Shake them, Rita. Shake them. I think that actually, um, we're both I'm, giving we both, it today. We're both popping today. Yeah, we're popping. I'm wearing my my summer court dress that I didn't get to wear in time last time. So my Adriata. You look fit. great. You look amazing. Oh my god, you look amazing. Oh, you stop. What are we really getting into this fashion over here? Um, uh, maybe a little too much. Maybe a little too much. I mean, I will say it's getting easier and easier to put these ears on and I'm starting to think implants. <laughs> Sorry, I think I'm going to go. It would for just, it. you know, it would save a couple minutes every morning for you. And isn't just... that worth it in the long run? Yeah. Did I get into an Uber with fake ears on? Yes, I did. Did they say anything? No. I made them really apparent, too, because I kind of wanted them to say something, but they didn't say anything about it. I think being an Uber driver in Los Angeles, you've seen you know worse. you don't want to start a conversation with somebody wearing elf ears. No, 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 it's because be I long. will talk about it. It's a long conversation. You want to hear about Akatar? We've been talking about it for how many hours at this point? God, I, <laughs> I, I, this is my life now. It's my life. And you know, I don't hate it. No. I do think I am, I am starting to detach from reality to a point where it could become unhealthy. But I mean, but what's healthy? Worth it. What's healthy? What is healthy? And who's giving us these guidelines? What, doctors? No, get out of here. Yeah, go back doctor. to school. Okay. Yeah, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I graduated college at 20 and I didn't look back. No higher learning for me. <laughs> what else could you possibly need to learn? I'm done. I, I took breathing classes. I know about that. <laughs> I cried while the teacher went, breathe from here. And I'm like, ah, oh, say can you see? It's very fun that us theater and dance majors took breathing classes yeah. in college. <laughs> Breathing classes. Okay. Yeah, but I also took up mask work as well. Using your body to create a character. Oh. Without using your face. It's like you're not even here. Who who is this? This is is when my arms are like like, uh, Robin's family in Batman and Robin. What? (laughs) Remember, they're all trapeze. There's a trapeze family. Oh, from from the... The movie from the 90s. <laughs> yes, the trapeze uh, family. Trapeze. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Silly me. That was on you, Natalie. I know, that was on me. Uh, <laughs> You're looking too beautiful today. It's sapping you of your, your brain power. Know. We know we can't have both. I know. The I government know. tells us that. I don't want to think about Nah, we don't have to. You know, I don't think it's dumb today. We can kiss pillows instead. We can't. We have to do this. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we could get some pillows in here and slap a couple tongues in there. I think Ryan could sue us. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Ryan. <laughs> um, all right. We all right. won't start sucking on pillows. Now my pillow's all wet. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a Friday. (laughs) (laughs) When we last left off, the gang was on pretty rocky terms. Man, there's going to be lots of rocky things happening today. They're all upset with each other. Yeah. Reese has done something that's pretty diabolical that involves working alongside the two males who more probably hates more than anybody. Yes, and he didn't tell her about it beforehand. Yeah, Kieran Aris. Are you kidding me, Reese? Both males have not only been disrespectful to Feyre, Eris, if you'll recall, just physically attacked yes. Feyre and, like, dragged her by her hair. And, I mean, look, they can handle it. They're strong, but still. But you know? still doesn't mean we like them. No. We don't want them around. We don't want to be besties with them being like, yeah, I got your back. Uh, no, with Eris, gross. So... When they all land back at the townhouse from the Court of Nightmares, Moore finally shows her true emotions. Tears pour down her face. Why? She wants to know. She's not only sad, she's furious. Poor girl. No. Reese goes on to say that Eris found Azriel and that they had to strike a deal, like kind of what he insinuated before. I'm not actually sure what he's referencing. I think he means Az was spying and Eris saw him. But maybe I'm missing something. Um, but Feyre seems, or maybe Azrael just knows more about Eris. Maybe is that possible? You know about where his truth lies. Mm, maybe good thought. Yes, I got a couple <laughs> good thoughts rattling around in there. It's like Yahtzee up in my brain. Ooh, Yahtzee! What are you supposed to get in Yahtzee? Snake eyes? I don't remember. I think it's sick. I just remember I used to play Disney Yahtzee where all the characters were the different sides. So I was like, I got four minis. You still get furious and throw the Yeah, yeah, throw the dice. Be like, well, you don't get the Donald Duck this time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well... (laughs) 
Reese catches Cassian up mind to mind because he didn't go to the Hewn City, if you'll recall. And Cassian's super pissed. Basically, nobody wants Reese to do this, which is most likely the reason that he did it. And why he didn't tell anybody, yeah. Lucian, his own brother, agrees that working with Eris is probably a bad idea. But we also know a bit about Eris from the end of the last chapter, and he claims that he is actually protecting Lucian from the other family members hmm. and also was trying to help more. So what's up with that? We what don't know yet. What is up with that? What is up with that? Until Amran steps in because there's all of this tension and like people are getting really, really like overwhelmed. She acknowledges that she hates the Vansaris clan, but fairly points out that if Eris is to win the throne of the Autumn Court, he may be a better alternative to Baron. I mean, we really hate Baron. Yeah. Baron? Baron. Baron, yeah. Baron, right? I think so. But Moore is distraught about more than just the dislike of the ma- the males. It's that they want to come and violate her city, her sanctuary. Reese doesn't act smug or defensive in his response, but he tells her that he has put precautions in place that you don't have to be that worried about it. That the leaders of the city are not going to serve or cater to anyone from the Court of Nightmares and that they will find Valaris inhospitable. Essentially, like pulling trickeries on them. She doesn't think it matters. And I kind of tend to agree that they would find some way to screw up. Yeah, they're like pure evil. Why would you ever trust them? But I also, though, if there's someone that I trust the most... It's Reese. And I do think that he's probably going to. I mean, he did keep Valeris a secret that entire time. I mean, I think that he's pretty good at like, okay, maybe he could set it up so that they're never going to want to come back. Yeah. He's also the most powerful lord ever and like 600 years old. So, I mean, I think he I trust him. But also, the other side, do you think Sammy Faye isn't going to cause a big mess? Oh, my God, you're right. She's going to start fist bumping. She's going to start taking jello shots. And she's going to get in there and she's going to show her kooka. It's going to be sloppy at the very least. It's scary when they start showing their kookas. Skirts right up too high. They got to get up on on chairs, you know? I I think that that maybe that is, uh, you shouldn't do that, even if you have... The any and not the Audi down there. How do you feel about a kooka? Do you refer to your kooka as a kooka? Uh, never once in my life. No. Never once. How do you think you're going to start? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm glad that we just live by our truths here. Mm. Mm-hmm. I will say my partner doesn't enjoy it when I refer to it as my kooka. No, so. I wouldn't imagine. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine. It's only when it's showing, though. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is the time you're not supposed to call yeah, it. Yeah, when he's the most excited. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Just throw a cog in the wheel there. Um, so then Morsh says, uh, Morsh. I just said Morsh. Morsh. Uh, oh, yeah. She's like borscht, though. So she's like a cold soup. Yeah, she's of Russian. A woman. She could be Russian. Then more. She should slow down. Come on! Yeah, still got it! (laughs) Moore says a harsh thing. What if she had decided to work with Amarantha Reese? What if she went to Amarantha and made a plan behind Reese's back? How would he feel about that? 
This is not something that any of them ever bring up. Certainly, they don't befoul their space with her name. The room's temperature goes down a few degrees. (laughs) (laughs) You went really down really fast, so I get it. I approached Reese's side, brushing my fingers against his. His own curled around mine. If Amarantha showed up at that door right now... Reese snarled, pointing toward the foyer entry, and said she could buy us a chance at defeating Highburn, at keeping all of you alive, I would thank the fucking cauldron. Moore shook her head, tears slipping free again. You don't mean that. But Reese says that he does. Feyre tries to reach out to him through the bond. But the bond, the bridge between us, it was a howling void. A raging, dark tempest. So this is getting to a place of heightened emotions to the point that the cousins who have worked together for so many centuries are both reaching a breaking point. That this is very uh, emotional for both of them. And then little Amarin steps in. She tells Reese that she kept them together for the 49 years he was gone and she'll do it now. She tells more that after the war, she will hunt down the Vinceris and kill them all if that's what she wants. And Moore says it doesn't matter that her father will poison the city no matter what. But Feyre decides that she believes Amran, that Amran will make sure we're going to we're all going to be okay. I've just put myself into the inner circle in first person now. So that's where that's I am. That's where you are emotionally. <laughs> we are all going to be okay. We're going to be okay because of Amran. And I think Moore did too. For the tears that continued sliding free, they seemed to shift somehow. So everyone's believing in Amran. I mean, you know. I would. Yeah. And they obviously have a, a healthy fear of her, but she obviously has some form of care for them, whatever that is, for whatever creature she is. And just like imagining like the power of knowing when she says, I will hunt them all down and I will kill all of them, that she means it. Oh, yeah, she will. She means it. She ain't care. Mm-mm. So Feyre feels Reese's devastation at knowing he's crushing his cousin right now. And she... But com- he knew this was going to happen. He did. It's hard to be a lord. I know, and he's so good at being a high lord. He is. Favor tries to comfort him mind to mind. Amran says to Reese that he is a bastard for hiding all of this from them, but ultimately it was the right call. I'm sorry, he says to both Moore and Amran. Thank you. Thank you, Reese. It take I mean, not every high lord is gonna just apologize for what they do. No, and he's saying it, I think, in a way that he means it, where yeah. sometimes people can go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're I'm sorry. <laughs> but that, not- so when they say it like that, maybe don't believe them. I don't think that they're sorry. I think that they're having a pity party for themselves. Mm-hmm. Not that I've ever done that. No. Uh, Henry no, would, would attest that I've never yeah. done that in our marriage. Bring him in here. <laughs> what if I just had, like, Henry shackled up just in case we needed him to, to say something during the show? I I would wonder how he got here and when. Gimp I, mask. Less, 
gimp mask. <laughs> that is upsetting. I don't like any of that. We'll unzip his mouth when we ask him. Oh, no. God. <laughs> getting, getting into weird people under the stairs territory. Ah! There, so everything's not fine and dandy now, but Feyre correctly asserts that they must stand together during this precarious time, that they can't break apart through anger in this you know, very fragile moment before the war. Cassian asks her about the mirror because, if you'll recall, she also needed to request the Ouroboros mm-hmm. from the Court of Nightmares. And she explains what was told to her, which is that it's pretty much impossible. And more confirms that her dad is not making up the information about the mirror, that she grew up knowing of it. Suddenly, Amran interrupts. You are talking about the Ouroboros. Uh-oh. Whoopsie. Uh-oh. No one told Amran. Because they were trying to keep from her that they were visiting the prison. And they let it slip because she kind of was going to assume some things from them knowing about the mirror. <gasps> and now they're about to find out what happens when Amran knows. So she begins questioning them in a quiet voice, which isn't always a great sign. No. I think quiet is so much. I'd rather get yelled at. Don't get quiet to me. Quiet is so much more disappointment. Also, I don't know, more unhinged somehow. Like, if you're that angry and you're talking like this. Ooh! I don't like that. Tiny mouth! Tiny mouth. And then I start talking like this. (laughs) My mouth can't get any smaller. It is really little. Thank you. You got it really small. Yeah, I can get it pretty small. It's from your mask work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Although they couldn't see my lips. Who? The people watching me with my mask work. We put on a workshop. Oh, okay. <laughs> play the play, Natalie. Uh, I, I, I apologize. <laughs> um... So when Amrin begins questioning them, she works out that they wanted to release the carver and doesn't seem super happy about it. And if an ancient monster isn't happy about something, you better look out. Yeah, man. I trust what Amrin says. And in fact, like if there's someone like Amrin in your life and you're like, let's not let Amrin know, I think that should be the first signal of like, we should probably talk to Amrin about this. Yeah. Or if you're that afraid of one of your friends, you maybe shouldn't hang out with him. <laughs> Why? I'm terrified of you, Natalie. Ah! No! Because I always, all of our conversations and laughter turns into content. <laughs> That's why I'm scared. Just in case I say something I shouldn't. Because you lay about your snares. <laughs> I do. My, I put out my snares and you are the sorrel. Aw, cute. Yeah. Hot cereal Halloween costume. Oh, my. Yeah, with big tits. Just a cereal, just with, like, my tits hanging out. Yeah. Just saying, putting it out there. And for my a, kooka. No, no, don't yeah, put your... Cereal's got a kooka. Cereal's got a kooka. Interesting choice of song, as that <laughs> is about you. a child-molesting father. <laughs> That's, all right, maybe I'll, I'll come up with a different song about the Zuriel's Kuka. Okay, good. But so when this happens, Reese takes the tactic of kind of matching her energy where he's going more into a cocky area. He, you know, sometimes when he's doing his High Lord stuff, he becomes like, this Reese. Mm. Oh, well, Ka- oh, well, Amran. So 
he suggests that she finally come clean about how she escaped from the prison. And this is like centuries of not asking her. So this is kind of a big deal. And everyone's sort of taking a defensive stance. Cassian actually motions for Nesta to stand behind him, and surprisingly, Nesta obeys in that moment. Reese and Amrin have a stare-off, and then Amrin says, No. It wasn't a request, Reese said. Oh, Reese, baby, what are you doing? Uh... Things are tense. Reese reminds us that he offered to send Amrin home with the book, if that's what she'd like. Her silence is deafening enough that Azriel starts to grip his weapons, and he's ready to jump into into the middle of it. Uh oh! Reese continues to push her, knowing that this is well beyond the normal amount they ever test Amarin. Cassian casually slid Nesta behind him, his fingers snagging in the skirts of her black gown, as if to reassure himself that she wasn't in Amarin's direct path. Nesta only rose onto her toes to peer over his shoulder. Which I thought was kind of charming because Nesta doesn't usually allow herself to be vulnerable. But also he's so big that she has to get up on her toes to see over his shoulder. He's just so big. Yeah. I thought it was a cute moment. Yeah. Then Amron... I'd make it horny, of course. I mean, of course. It's also that. (laughs) Then Amron reveals the real reason she doesn't speak of her escape from the prison, because she doesn't want the prison to remember she's gone. That if it hears her talk of it, she will get thrown into the black cell once again. Yikes. Rizan shields all of the rooms, saying that no one outside of this bubble will be able to hear. After consideration, she begins to explain. It's still sort of nebulous, but she says that she had to bind herself into another form, had to give up herself to leave. Whoa, what does that mean? Well, the group thought that someone else had done that to her, but Mm. she says she lied and that she actually did Did it it herself. herself. She summoned some part of something somewhere and it bonded into her and she, she gave away herself to become somebody else to leave. In my head, she before she was inside of a fae, she looked like the pollution in uh, Fern Gully. Aww. Remember? Yes. Yeah, just like Why a big... Why do I think that's cute? I, I, th- I think it's just like... Oh, see, I always... Uh, I kind of was... Kind of like the pollution. I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's kind of sexy. <laughs> I know it's bad and pollution is bad, but don't get me wrong. The pollution was a little sexy. He's all like syrupy and he was all like dripping through the grates. I mean, it's a seduction. It's a form of seduction. I th- I'm pretty sure that's why Taylor Swift loves to use her private jets as much as she does. Oh, she's, she's sexually attracted to the pollution. the pollution. All right. That makes sense. See, at least we get to the bottom of some things here. And that's what I just want to figure out what Taylor Swift is thinking. That's why we Always. do the show. Yeah. Um, it's all for her. Yeah. Uh, so And Sarah J. Moss. Oh, yeah, I guess also. I guess. That the body of Amran that she formed is mortal, actually, compared to the lifespan of who she used to be. So her, she's such an, an, an aged creature that an immortal fey body is like very short lifespan compared to her Damn. former self. And what she was, we don't really fully know, but we get the knowledge that she came from another plane of existence and that she didn't actually fit in there when she was there. I did not feel the way you do, the way I do now. Some things, loyalty and wrath and curiosity, but not 
the full spectrum. Again, that faraway look. I was perfect, according to some. Must be nice. <laughs> Must be nice, huh? Oh, you just a perfect, gaseous state. Okay, cool. <laughs> but she's, she's basically saying that they didn't have real emotions, but she kind of did for her species. She felt more than the others did, and she was curious. It sounds like whatever she was was it, it, like a form of a war predator. Sick. Yeah. Her backstory is interesting because it goes into a couple details that I don't believe are referenced anywhere else unless I'm missing something. But she says that her, quote, brothers and sisters uh, had laid waste to twin cities just then, that their ruler had, like, instructed them to destroy these two twin cities and that the, it, when she they did it, it, like, ripped a hole in the in their world. And she was curious. Most of her brothers and sisters ran far from it, but she got curious and she wanted to see what was inside the rip. And she wanted. And the creatures that she was didn't want normally. I do wonder what the reference to the Twin Cities is or if there's something we all will learn about that in a different series. Because I wondered for a minute if it fit into Crescent City at all. There are a couple lines at the very end of the second book that make a girl question some stuff. And there is a scene in Crescent City where the monster's coming, pouring out of a portal from hell. Yeah. But it's not really hell. Yeah, it's just like a different place. Ooh. So I'm wondering. Well, that's the thing. If you think about it, it's like, okay, there's a rip, which means she was in... She was in some sort of other realm that at least is connected. So does that mean that all realms are connected to each other? Or does that mean that there's certain, like, tunnels through other places? Like, the fact that she, like, looked into the rip and then got trapped there kind of makes me think of, um, oh, Christina Aguilera looking at herself in the river when she's singing that Mulan song. That's what it makes me think of. I just heard Linda Zabrowski come out of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love time rips and stuff. I mean, yeah. Stephen King, of course, is one of my favorite authors, and he messes with that all the time. Yeah. Just like like um, planes on top of each other, which I, I think I always love that stuff. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, would you go through a rip? No, <laughs> I am not curious. If there is one thing you can say about Jackie Zabrowski, I'm not that curious. There's things that, like, I'm curious enough to read a book about something. Mm. But I think that, like, if I don't know, like, what do they breathe over there? Am I going to be, like, trapped in some some sort of, like, corporeal form over there? Like, am I going to have to, are... like, you know, eat poop for breakfast in that realm? I don't know. It's all the same except... Poop is the food, and then food comes out of your butt. Oh, no! But it still tastes like poop! Mm. And that's going to be a really difficult realm. So it's like, I don't know what's over there. And I'm all right. I also don't think I'd go to space either. I I mean... That's a hot take. I'm very scared. I just want to see what's further out so badly. I do one of the skippers, like one of the ones that you go up and you're like, whoa, and then you come back down. Oh, like, like the billionaires Bezos, do. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Waste all I of do his money one of the doing? billionaire things. Okay, cool. Um, In case you guys were wondering, <laughs> I'm scared of space. Yeah, it's terrifying, but it's awesome. Oh, yeah. No, much respect. Love space. Uh, like, I'm not going into the deep ocean either. No, but it, man, it's also so cool. 
It is like space down there. It is. Different space. Different space. I would, if I didn't have like uh, love ugh, and friendships and like beautiful life. Boring. I would definitely go through the rip just to see. Yeah. Just yeah. to like, if you weren't attached to anything. Yeah. At, like if there was a, there was a phase in my life where I would have you absolutely just rip. been like, peace. Um, and then you became a pelican. What if you were a pelican in that mm. realm? Scooping up fish all day? Maybe I'd like it better than being a person. Yeah. Know. You'd be free. I'd be free. Uh, she acknowledges, and also that big flappy bottom of the mouth. Yeah, the big pouch. It's like a pa- purse. Yeah. Your face. Um, oh, my God. Think of all the baubles you could fit in there. So many. She acknowledges that when she decided to change her form that she knew she would feel pain and would quote burn with want she said she shoved down her quote burning grace deep inside her and stopped being her and the door just unlocked damn which is cool and so this is how she says they will need to free the carver by binding him into a body to make him fay which she doesn't think he will want no she also says that she cannot unbind herself, that it would have to be done to her. And if she was unbound and became her former self, she wouldn't remember any of them, any of the inner circle. And that her feelings toward them now would hold no sway when she changed back. Basically saying she would do what was natural to her former self and probably kill them. Yeah. So maybe don't. Maybe leave her where she is. Yeah, Maybe. Nesta asks what she is, and Amarin tells her that she was a messenger and a soldier assassin Sick. for a, quote, wrathful god who ruled a young world. A messenger, a soldier assassin for a wrathful god who ruled a young world. That's so bad ass. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Her name was not Amarin back then, but before she can go any further into the story, Elaine appears and is startled because the group, as you'll recall, has been shielded into a sound bubble. And so she couldn't hear them or anything. And she's just in her little nightgown. She's like, oh, because it's late, late at night. And she tells them she thought she heard something else down. And she's kind of speaking in riddles again at this point. Feyre tries to gently press her about what she may have heard. But Elaine begins to retreat back. Before she goes, she tells them she heard someone crying. When they question her, she launches into a series of confusing descriptors saying that she, a mysterious she, is alive, though everyone thinks she's dead, but no further explanation. Ah, with the riddles over here. And everyone's like, okay. But then Asriel stops her. Asriel, who has begun to form a gentle friendship with Elaine. Is it a kissing friendship? We'll find out. Uh, Azriel, who she responds to, who seems to understand her on some level, she goes on to say, I saw young hands wither with age. I saw a box of black stone. I saw a feather of fire land on snow and melt it. Everyone's like, okay. okay. <laughs> Except for Azriel. Shadow singer. It was angry. Elaine said quietly. It was so, so angry that something was taken. So it took something from them as punishment. Mm. All right, girls. Keep staring out the window. Yeah, I guess you should go look at the window some more. We'll learn more about what this means in a bit. But as Feyre's 
looking to Azrael to explain because he's the only one who seems to be focused in on what she's saying. And also, I will say that at this point in the book, while I was reading it, I was just like, we all know she's seeing something. <laughs> we need, we know she's seeing something. Why is Azrael the only one this reread through of how many times she's just like, the I feel the fire and the fire as it comes. Like, listen to what she's saying. Maybe it's because they underestimate. It means something. I, I think it could be because they think so little of Elaine. Yeah. They consider her such a child and this delicate little fragile, you know, flower that they can't possibly imagine that she would be able to have like this power inside of her. That's what I would say about it. It's just crazy, but it's like they're not around people that are made very often. And now you're around these people that are made. Maybe look into this a little bit more. Oh, I agree. Um it's like Thank what you. she I just said needed to yell about it. It's what like what she said about Grayson. He saw her. Yes. Nobody else saw her. You're right. No one sees this bitch. I see you, Elaine. I'm sorry. <laughs> now Azrael and I could start kissing because he'd be like, "Oh my God, you understand you her," and I'd be like, "Yes, I do Elaine. understand yeah. her." Mm-hmm. And then we'll start kissing, and then mm-hmm. she'll just start banging me up against the wall. So it just becomes fucking. Yeah, pretty fast. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But he, it's just because he respects me so much. Because of how much you saw Elaine. Yes. That's cool. So I, I love that. I'm worth it. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So as Feyre's looking to Asriel to explain, like you just said, instead of looking to Elaine, <laughs> uh, he suddenly winnows away. 
He had been watching Elaine as though her words meant something but didn't explain it to anyone. Interestingly, after he winnows, more stares at the spot he was just occupying, as though she realizes her lost little puppy boy might have found another focus, mm. another female focus. And how does she feel about that? I don't know, but she also doesn't des- – she doesn't just earn a man just following her around, you know? It's like – she can't get that mad about no, it. No, and also, like, you've had him do that for, like, generations, you know? Don't you, wouldn't you want a break? I think that if I, yeah. like, like at that point, and be like, you know, yeah, dude, I'm just, like, not feeling it with you, I would get old, I think it would get old for someone, like, looking at you with the longing eyes. I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, you long, I see it, all right? How about you move along? Come on. How about you move along? Come on! Oh, Sammy's here. Um... <laughs> Well, but I have a corset on today. I know you do. You have a beautiful autumn court corset. Thank you. Um, yeah, and also <clears throat> she does care for him. And you wouldn't you want him to be happy and find yeah. love? Even though you, this is kind of a problematic one because she's made. She's it. got a mate. Yeah, she got a mate. <sighs> he does not pick well. No, he really doesn't. Mm-mm. He's got really bad. He's got really bad radar. Yeah. Oh. Uh, later that evening, everyone has gone off but Feyre and Nesta. And Feyre asks about what happened at the Hewn City while she and Amron were off doing whatever they were doing. Nesta uncharacteristically gives Feyre a brief explanation without being mean immediately. Whoa. Yeah. Big change for her. Yeah, she's really growing. They tried to use the trove of evil objects as training to get Nesta to be getting used to being able to repel them with her magic. They haven't even gotten to the repairing the wall magic yet. Unfortunately, it didn't go that well for Nesta. She didn't succeed at all. So instead of Feyre getting yelled at because she knows if she pushes Nesta anymore, she's going to just start being mean. She decides to switch topics to the topic of Elaine. Nesta dismisses her in her pessimistic way, saying she's probably gone mad due to being violated and don't bother. Yeah, just like, which, if you're going to be so protective, again, this is another thing of like, if you're so protective, wouldn't you be listening to what she's saying rather than just like, no, she's fucked up. She's got all this trauma. Let's not talk about it. She's underestimating Elaine. Oh, because she does treat her like a baby. Yes. A little baby. She's not. She's like 25 in these books. She goes to leave Feyre and sort of like bustles herself upstairs. And just then Lucian's starting to come down the stairs and he's like winced at her. He's like, Ugh. oh, Viper. Nesta sort of like leaves the scene and then Feyre and then, then instead tries to exchange thoughts with Lucian. He says that she should have a, a healer look over Elaine, that it couldn't hurt. Couldn't hurt. But he doesn't think that she's insane. She simply has trauma. And it's nice that as her mate that he sees that of like, yeah, I don't think she's crazy. I just think that she needs to deal with the things that have happened to her. Right. Because Lucian understands because he's sensitive because he's also had a lot gone on with him. Yeah, and hopefully your partner or your mate or whatever would not immediately just say, no, you got to put her in the asylum. Get her again, out of here. if you want to masturbate me and give me a bunch of cocaine so that I'm not hysterical anymore, well, I guess we'll see how it goes. You got to wonder if some of those women did it on purpose. Oh, yeah. I'd be insane all the time and be like, oh, put me back in the loony bin. Yeah, get me away from this betrothed marriage or whatever bullshit. You had I to, need go, to go get masturbated. <laughs> I 
love this insane asylum. <laughs> uh, so, Although I bet the food was horrible. No, I'm sure for the most part it was a nightmare scenario for <laughs> yeah. everyone. But let's just pretend they were having fun. Yeah, but what if it was a blast? Like what if that's what they wanted everyone to think, but in reality everyone was just like having a blast. It's like a club med vacation. Yeah. I mean, I know 100% that's not what was happening, and I know that it was actually very bad. <laughs> let's pretend some of but them had a good pretend? time. So she calls. So Farah decides to call for Madja, the family's healer, to come and look at her sister the next day. I always want to say Magda because, again, my brain was destroyed by television, and that is the woman who helps in Sex in the City. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. How can I remember Magda's name but not the late Cynthia Nixon's character? It's okay. Do you see Samantha's coming back for the I did. (gasps) Oh, my God. They're still not going to interact with each other. No, of course not. They're not going to be in any of the same scenes. I bet it's all going to be her far away and her just, like, doing, like, Zoom calls and shit like that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, sorry. Back to this. We're not in New York City right now. So she feels deep sorrow and weariness over the, the fear for her sister and she goes to sleep that night, and she's awoken in the middle of the night by Rizond, who was out working later than her. They both exchanged thoughts of sadness and regret in the darkness. Reese is racked with guilt over going over Moore's head, and he tells Feyre that this is why he'd rather take things on by himself sometimes, because he causes pain when he has to use other people. He also admits that if Amarantha, without saying the word Amarantha in their bedroom, he would never... He says that if she would show up at his home, he'd kill her without ever letting her speak. That was his truth, even though he said he would do otherwise. No. The next morning, an exhausted Feyre goes to meet Cassian for her fight training. She attempts at flying into the training ring and actually gets a little bit in the air, but doesn't nail the landing and slams into the mountain wall like a Looney Tunes character next to the ring. I mean, I'm even scared to learn how to ride a bike. I don't think I would be very good at learning how to fly. I think you could do it. You think so? Yeah, and I think uh, one day I'm going to get you guys on bikes. Oh, my God. Well, we ca- I'm sure that we'll be able to sell at least um, a couple of episodes of a television show of you trying to teach <laughs> Henry and I how to ride bicycles. <laughs> Let's make it content. Yeah, I mean, why not? If they, uh, That's the only way you would get me on a bicycle is if it's for content. Okay, well. Now it's been said publicly. Publicly. Um, Hold me to it. I will. All of the nation will. Uh, (laughs) So Cassian cracks up as she kind of slams into the side of the mountain. And she gives him the, quote, vulgar gesture. And they use that term a lot. And I always want to kind of wonder what their version of a vulgar gesture is because I don't think it's just the finger. Ooh, what if it's like flap wings? Yeah. Flap, 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 flap. But that would look so dumb if you went... Hey, yeah, yeah, F you, flap, 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 flap. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Natalie's getting violent with her vulgar gestures. I mean, it looks vulgar, whatever it is that you're doing. Oh, just tiny, tiny pinky flick off? All right, I like pinky flick off. That doesn't seem scary. <laughs> that doesn't seem scary at all. You're just wincing? Oh, she's claw wincing. Oh, now she's playing peekaboo. <laughs> That's also a vulgar gesture. Don't you show me when I think there's no no one there. Don't just show <laughs> Don't up. Don't trick me. Um, <laughs> Feyre tells him that she wants to 
have him basically kick her ass in the training ring that morning. It's her way of dealing with her stress. Later that day, she's with Az doing her flying lesson. She learns there that Az and Moore have not really made up since the Hewn City, and he's mm. not in a good mood either. Everybody's kind of being a grumps yeah. right now. She feels betrayed that he didn't tell her that he ran into Eris, even though Reese kept stuff from Azrael too. She always expects kind of Azrael to like be her little puppy. Yeah. It reminds me of that movie Pretty in Pink with Ducky. Oh, my God. It. Yes. Oh, wait. Is that? Yeah, that's Pretty, that's in, pretty pink. in Pink. That's Pretty in Pink. I always, I always uh, identified as the Ducky character, always in love, and they never love you back. Who's your Molly Ringwald? Oh, it was. I mean, I'm not going to say his name right now. Say it. But um, <laughs> I, he was the one that I was in love with um, all through. Like, I met him in fifth grade. I was in love with him through middle school. Aww. He took me to my senior prom. And I thought that it was going to be the greatest night of my life. And then he um, hooked up with somebody else uh, on prom night. Oh, I thought he was. I, he, I thought he was. Gay. Is he not gay? No, no. The, oh, the, okay. the one the one that was my big one. Ah. Um, no, he likes women. Now he's married with children. They're probably disgusting. No, they look like a beautiful family, and I'm very happy for him. He broke my heart. He broke my heart. We were such good friends. Yuck. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I identify as the ducky. (laughs) I think that he's. Do you? You didn't have a ducky thing. Did you have anyone that you were completely in love with, and they never loved you back? Yeah, his name was Ben. We became friends later on, though, and I was like, I got over it. But yeah, that was my first love, and he was very not interested. But I just constantly did that thing when you're a kid and you just badger and you just like, I would call him every day after school and we just like sit on the phone. And I found later all my friends were making fun of me because I was very, I didn't, as a 14 year old, I thought I was being very slick. Yeah, and, and you literally just everybody could tell I was just like, "Hi, hi, man!" Oh, <laughs> my little braces. Oh, you're so cute. He's a he's a great dude. He's still we're still on good terms and everything. Oh yeah. Um, how good of terms? No, are no, you no, on? no, 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 no. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I'll bring out the Gimp brother. No, no, no. You don't need to worry about it. Um, So anyway, after her lesson, she returns to the townhouse. And she and Moore have a very sweet sisterly scene where Feyre takes the pastry out of Moore's hand and and snatches it and, like, eats it. Moore tells her that the, the first responses from the High Lords have arrived about whether or not they are willing to sit in in the meeting and discuss the war with Highburn. It turns out that so far it's day, dawn, and winter courts. Uh, they have agreed to meet with stipulations. Thank you. But they've agreed. No one else has responded yet, but also no one has declined, so that's not the worst news. Eris claims that he will ensure his father is there, but they don't know if he's going to hold to that. Mm. Faye broaches this fight from last night that they had when seeing if Mora's okay. and it, Obviously, she's not, but she acts like she's fine. But she concedes that... She does understand why Reese did it, but it doesn't resolve her pain of knowing her father intends on ruining her happiness out of sheer spite. She goes on to explain that it jarred her, that Az didn't take her side in the argument. She doesn't say it, but it seems like she's connected to the fact that he was very attentive to Elaine. 
girl, girl, you got to let this lie. You got to take this as it goes. It's for the best. Yeah. And I don't think she's being jealous per se, but it seems as though she's, go, you know, again, grown accustomed to Az trying yes. to please her. And it was kind of a shock to her that he didn't do that. But she declares that she won't let the male she hates the most hold her down. Yes. Because her happiness is how she will win. And yes. That's, a, that's true. That is true. But sometimes revenge is fun. Yeah, man, really depends. I mean, if you, I mean, we all kind of want to put Eris in the ground, so I get it. At, for now. Yeah. Until I start looking at fan art. Mm. Okay. Okay. They share a tender moment of saying that they will be there for each other. And it's really sweet, and it's nice she has this sisterly connection. But then they are interrupted by the healer Maj- Majja. Majja. Majja arriving. A few hours later, she completes her examination and tells Feyre that there's nothing awry inside of Elaine. There's no normal fey curses or plagues or illness. The healer found nothing. I believed her, if only because Madja was one of the few high fey I'd seen whose dark skin was etched with wrinkles, her hair spindrift fine with age. She must be real Damn, old. she old. How old is she? Old lady. I'm, I'm surprised she didn't say that when she walked in. Old lady. It must be weird to see old looking people in the face. When world. everybody's so hot and young <laughs> all the time. Do you think she's like 3,000 years old? She's got to be thousands, right? I, I imagine. Because even... The the king uh, of Highburn, who is like an ancient fae, they said only looks like he's in his 40s. Yeah, so she must be like, yeah. She Centuries. Old. She old lady. Feyre and Nesta sat in the room while she worked on Elaine, which look, sounds like she, it consisted of doing Reiki over her body. Yeah. Uh, Find like. the winds. Find the winds. But unlike homeopathic. We know a lot about Reiki, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But unlike homeopathic con artists of this earth, she actually has a long record of healing Feyre's family of menticle, menticle, <laughs> of mental, <laughs> <laughs> <Menticle. laughs> of mental and physical ailments. Maja goes on to say that while there is nothing wrong with her physical body, her being cauldron made might make it difficult to ascertain what its magic did to her. Nesta asks her if she thinks there's something wrong with Elaine. Maja also asserts that it is likely trauma, that she doesn't like the word wrong. Different, perhaps. Changed, is what she says. And then to Nesta's chagrin, Maja suggests that Lucian make an attempt to help her, that the mating bond can probably delve deeper into her psyche than her healing powers. Whoa. Ne- Let him at her. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You, that'd be so scary, because what if he did it wrong? But, you know, he probably can, he might be the only key, you know, except maybe Azrael is. Uh Uh-oh. Spicy. Nesta's pretty pissy about it and tries to demand Feyre just bring another healer in, like, get a second opinion. But Feyre stands up to her. She says, be quiet. She declares that Lucian will try to help, and if it doesn't work, she will then bring in another healer. Nesta is angry, but she doesn't push back. Moore is also there now, and with Feyre and Moore against her, she knows she can't win this fight. Lucian, who has heard these instructions as well, he looks sheepish, but he agrees to see what he can do. 
Chapter 29 opens with, It was the most uncomfortable 30 minutes I could recall. So, not going great. Moore and Feyre sit across the room from where Lucian and Elaine are set up near a fireplace with a little tea service between them. Neither of them talking or drinking or doing anything, just sort of awkwardly avoiding eye contact. Feyre and Moore, for their part, are kind of trying to look out the window, like looks over the front of the house, pretending like they're not there. Not paying attention over here. But it's just like complete silence. (laughs) Oh, The worst. Feyre wonders if he is trying to access her mind the way Reese does through their shared adamant walls. So she's like, does Lucian and Elaine, do they have the same form of mating connection? Or is it totally different due to Feyre and Reese's Damati capabilities? Mm. She's not sure. Amran and Nesta are in a nearby room practicing Amran's magic lessons. But Amran keeps snapping at Nesta because she's obviously not paying attention to her lessons, trying to see what's going on in this other room. As they sit nearby, both Feyre and Moore are looking out this window, and they spot Reese and Cassian below. Feyre stops them through down the bond, saying that they don't want to startle the process going on, so don't come in right now. Cassian laughs when Reese <laughs> conveys this, and then <laughs> Reese says that they are going to go get a drink. He asks Ugh. when he can return without fearing for his life, and both she and Moore f- flip him off or do the vulgar thing. Yeah, they, they, they flap, 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 flap. <laughs> I like our that's, different vulgar gestures. Yeah, that's the one I like. Um, and that there's a very beautiful, it's such a cinematic scene. Again, she's really good at those sort of visuals, but there's a scene where they're looking down and Cassian's stretching his wings out really wide, and all these little yeah. kids are around him going like, what? Oh, my God. It makes my heart melt. No. Cassian can get away with anything. He's um, so good with kids. <laughs> and so then they say they're going to go get a drink. And and he also, before he leaves, tells Feyre down the, uh, the bond that Tarquin has replied. And he's also considering coming. Soon after the females turn back to the room... Elaine just starts, and she bolts to standing. Lucian immediately follows her. I'm sorry, he blurted. What? What was that? Moore put a hand on my knee to keep me from rising, too. It was a tug on the bond. Then, yeah, Nesta's standing in the threshold because she hears something going on. What did you do? Lucian looked to her. Then over to me, a muscle feathered in his jaw. Nothing, he said, and again faced his mate. I'm sorry if that unsettled you. Elaine sidled toward Nesta, who seemed to be at a near simmer. It felt strange, Elaine breathed. Like you pulled on a thread tied to a rib. Lucian exposed his palms to her. I'm sorry. Elaine only stared at him for a long moment, and any lucidity faded away as she shook her head, blinking twice, and said to Nesta, Twin ravens are coming, one white and one black. 
Okay, oh, she was here for a second, now she's gone. But again, you know what? Don't pay attention to what she's got to Get say. Get her to her window. Just let her have her tea. Let her stare. Which is what Nesta does, essentially. She kind of ushers Elaine out of the room like she is a child. And Lucian... Listen to her! <laughs> and Lucian explains what just happened, that he followed the string of the bond, and when he got to her end is when she jumped. He didn't find anything of use at that point. Lucian then notices the pile of letters from the high lords that the that Mor and Pharaoh were sitting near, and he offers suggestions about where might be the most neutral of settings. That he's guessed correctly that they are already bickering about it, all the high lords. He and Moore decide to settle over a map as Pharaoh leaves to return Nesta to Amran. A map like this one? Ah! Uh! Yeah, please. I forget to pull my out. I mean, where would where would even be a good place to go where they're all they all feel safe? Where's my pointer? Show us on the map, Natalie. Well, I don't know. You would think like, oh, maybe in the middle, but then that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the like the most neutral of places. It seems like a lot of people don't have issues with dawn and day court. Like, I don't know anything about them being, like, bastards. Yeah. But it's really close to the night court, which probably Reese wouldn't want. Yeah. Hmm. This is going to be, they're going to argue about this. But I'm it not seems looking to at be... Era's fan art now. Yes, you are. Yes, you I am looking at Era's fan art right now. Oh, it's a lot of Asriel and Eris kissing. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Well, it is Pride Month. Yes. See, I have to be looking at these things. For it's being for an ally month. or yes. being a part of the community. Yes. So uh, this is this. I'm doing my part. You're welcome. Yeah. I hope everybody claps for you. <laughs> <laughs> Join me, won't you? Look up Eris and Asriel fan art. There's a lot of them kissing and making fun. I hope I'm not remembering, misremembering, but there is, I want to say it's After Darkness, and I apologize if it's another artist, but they did do a, uh, a very graphic three-way between the bad boys. What? What? So, what? Yeah. I hope I'm not misremembering which Patreon it is. All right, if I, I, if I mess it, it up, I will, I will correct it in a later episode. Yes. So oh, I just should <clears throat> start kissing. Yeah. Hey. Oh, all right. Hey. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm looking. I'm here. <laughs> Dude, that's what you need the, the pointer for. Just, just like wrap me on the hands. Oh, oh my sexuality. <laughs> yeah. That's going to give you some kind of weird Kink. wires crossing. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. Two days later, Feyre is back at her flying lessons, and as she's there trying not to crash into trees, she notes that Asriel's quiet sense of humor has returned after it appears as though he and Moore have made up a sort of amends. They've all been busy the last few days preparing for all that is to come. Lucian has proved adept at helping organize the Lord's meetup, and Rizan seems to have grown more respect for him because of it. Feyre herself has been combing the library for anything to help with the wall and also trying to learn about the Ouroboros. About anything, really, that will help her get it without going mad. Uh, she has not found anything. Really difficult to have a mirror that I can't look in front of because I am definitely one of those people that stares into a mirror if I'm yeah, around of a mirror. And then I'm, we're all going to go batty. But it, maybe it would be kind of fun if we brought it into the house and we all went batty. 
as like a fun bonding. Yeah, like exercise. it's like oh, it's just oh, the whole Zabrowski family is gone has mad. Gone mad. Cool. Then somebody else gets to take care of us. Oh, that would be cute. Yeah, I'm tired. Somebody, please. Um, <laughs> somebody, please give so me a mirror that will make Natalie. me go mad. <laughs> Um, but she has not had any luck at finding any mm. sort of tricks. So now she is trying to instead focus on her flying instead of going through the library. Azrael has encouraged her to launch from a pretty high spot. And though she's not confident, she's she does so with his urging. And she crashes. And she fucks herself up pretty badly. Enough that she and Az rest on a rock for the rest of the afternoon to talk. So she's gotten like... Stuff stuck in her hand. She's bleeding. She, like, bashed herself into a really big tree. While they sit, she questions whether or not she'll be able to fly by the war. As is honest, probably not. She feels defeated. But then Asriel starts to talk about his own experience learning flying, how he had to start late because of everything, and that it was considered shameful to be learning at his age. I understand. It's just like me with the bikes. Yeah, it is just like you would also bike. bond over that. But guess what? He learned how to fly. I know, and that means I have to learn how to ride a bike. Yeah, you'll like it. It's really fun. Mm. But he decided, even though it was shameful, he didn't back down, even when no one wanted to help him. He started to teach himself. Cassian, who back then was quite a brute, found him trying to learn, and he beat the crap out of him. But then right away immediately offered to teach him because even though he was filled with all of this anger as a young boy, he was also still good in his heart. Still him. Then the next day he came back with Rizond. The two of them taught him how to fly in the end. Oh, God, I love them. I know. He says later on after the war, Rizan returned to Azriel with a story. He wanted to tell him about something that happened during the war, something that maybe Reese wanted him to hear so we wouldn't feel so alone. The story he tells is about Miriam and Dracon, who the Bat Boys knew at this point were not dead, uh, but pe- even though people thought they were because they were out hiding on Critea, their island. Critea. Critea? Critea. Critea. I, I'm going to say Kratia. Great. He told Azriel. He told us. So Azriel learns from Reese the story of their escape. And it's obvious to me, I'm assuming people would agree, that it, it is pulling from the Moses myths from the Bible. Um, the storytelling and the parting of the Red Sea and the wandering in the desert for 40 years stuff. So it's very similar in that. So after the 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 slaves of the human slaves were freed from the evil queen, Miriam takes them away and leads them across a desert, nearly 50,000 of them, all the way to the shores of the Aetherian Sea. And during that time Dracon's army was was around them sort of like providing cover. And when they got to the sea, they realized the ships that they had arranged for uh, were destroyed by their enemies. And she sent her armies to drag her slaves back because she was not accepting of having the slaves be the humans be freed from the Fae. But what are they supposed to do? They're not to butt up against the ocean. <laughs> what will they do? Bum, bum, bum. So at, when they realized that was happening, Dracon's legion is Seraphim which are winged fae, but feathered like a bird's. 
Um, Seraphim is also a biblical reference, a form of angel in both the Christian and Jewish Bible. Is that the crazy angels with all the eyes? No, but it is the definition of a seraphim in the Bible. They have six wings apiece. Sick. But the one with the eyes is really scary. That's a different level of angel. We made one of those biblically accurate angels for our Christmas tree topper no, last year. No, that was year. the best idea. So I highly recommend it for you if you if you want a uh, a little Christmas project rather than have just put a star up there. Put a biblically accurate angel on it. They're so scary. Yeah. Um, there's also a form of seraph in Islam, but. In the religious context, again, they're just in the, uh, yeah. So obviously the seraphim in Sergei Moss's books only have two wings, but they have six wings in the Bible. And also, I don't know if this is a connection to Hunt Athelar. Hunt Athelar. His race isn't called seraphim, but he got the wings. That's from Crescent City, for those of you that have not gone into the, the massiverse yet. I'm trying not to reference Crescent City too much, but when there's like a little connection, you gotta oh, do it. Oh, yeah. So in Prithian... No, the second I saw this, I was just like, oh, hunt. Hunt. In the Prithian version, the Seraphim Legion use their powers to part the sea so that the humans can run forth. And just like that's basically the story of the parting of the Red Sea. Um, so the Seraphim use their magic and they split the sea in half and all of the humans start running through. And Miriam didn't want to go until each single one had gotten past. So she was at the very back. And... The queen's armies are chasing them also at the same time. So the armies are also going to the bottom of the sea. The seraphim only had a certain amount of strength to keep the sea parted. And as they were about to send the sea crashing back down, there was a massive battle on the sea floor. Ah! And the and Jacon thought one of his soldiers had grabbed Miriam and taken her out. But in actuality, the queen of the opposing force had attacked Miriam. Ugh. And they were both still on the ocean floor with her armies. Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's me, 
your barista. So you know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Yeah, well, I might be putting myself out of a job by telling you this, but now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. With three new foaming flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato, who could blame you if you stopped coming in altogether? Yeah, it's that foaming delicious. You're welcome. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious. There was this young seraphim cartographer named Nefel. And she actually saw the queen attack Miriam while they were both still on the ocean floor. So Jakron doesn't know, and he's not close enough to get to her. But Nefel thought maybe that she could. She was a cartographer for the army because of her small, somewhat deformed wings. She couldn't fly. She was deemed not strong enough for the military. Even that's where her hope was. But she found use for herself in other ways. And she and Miriam in the, minu- in the interim had become BFFs. So she had an eye on Nafel. And I was like, by the way, just looking for a connection to the name Nafel. And there's not really anything. It kind of means cloudy. But I doubt that is why. Um, Maybe she had a chance of meatballs. Oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, Kuka. <laughs> I do know that the name Nephi occurs in the Book of Mormon solely because of the Lori Vallow <laughs> killing everybody. Oh, no. That's a, that's a serial killer. Oh, no. Um, but uh, I don't think that's why Sarah J. Moss. Probably not. I, I don't think so. <laughs> the cartographer with the heart of gold. I don't know if she's based off of this. But. No, or like the Book of Mormon in general. Yeah. Anyway. I'm, yeah, this, this is, is not Twilight, please. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so obviously, I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm just pulling Whoa. what I know. Oh, you think I am? Yes, you're so wow. good. At it. Oh my God, that's bad. If you think I'm a biblical <laughs> scholar, that just goes to show how little I know about the Bible. Oh, so I can just convince you. You can you say whatever. Okay. Oh, whatever you want. Cool. Um, so Nefel was the closest to Miriam and flew to the ocean shore as the walls were about to crash in. And Miriam said, save yourself. But she said, no, I will not leave you. Oh. So instead, she picked up Miriam and launched into the air as fast as her little wings would carry them. As but she, you know she's not as strong as the other seraphim. But her desire to save her it like allowed her to use super strength oh. to carry Miriam out. and. Just so happens that all of the the seafloor topography and all of its rock formations, her wings were so small that they were able to, to navigate in a way that the other seraphim wouldn't have been able to at that speed. They yeah. fit through. And she made it out with Miriam on death's door. And so Nefel, who had been ignored, who had been considered to be kind of too scrawny to be in the army, she saved the the leader's lover because of her drive. And so Azriel goes on to tell Farah that her two small wings, they didn't fail her. Not once, not for one wing beat. Oh, I love this story. Azriel tells her that he and the Bat Boys refer to this as the Nefel philosophy. That Reese told him that is to remind him that occasionally 
our greatest weaknesses can sometimes be our biggest strengths. Oh, my God. And he goes on to say that the most unlikely person can alter the course of history. <gasps> even me? Yeah, even you. Wow. But you're not unlikely. I think that you are very likely, very likely to change the course of Everyone history. Everyone says that about me. <laughs> Um, well-behaved women rarely make history. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard that before. I made it up just now. That's really brilliant. Yeah. You should put it on a sticker. Yeah, okay. I'll put it on a coaster. Oh, yeah. For all of our drinks. For when we're having Wine Wednesdays. Yes. Again, I, we should be hammered for one of these episodes. I don't know how I could do this episode. <laughs> it would be so chaotic. Um, this is us just on caffeine. <laughs> he goes on to say uh, that Miriam and Dracon go on to, to hold the competition every year on their island called the Nephil Run. And that Nephil and her wife crown a winner every year. So he says, basically, Feyre, we're going to train until the last moment because you never know what extra moment will make the last difference. So Feyre, despite being beat up and exhausted, says, let's try again. Oh, oh, perseverance. I love perseverance. It makes me want to cry. That night she gets back to her room, exhausted, body shredded, so unable to, like, lift a limb. And Reese is already there at his work desk. Seeing her condition, he draws her a bath and goes and retrieves some oils. We're then treated to a very lovely sex scene that you will hear sometime in the future. After slamming into the ground over and over and over again during the day, I would hope that this is one of those times where it's okay to be a pillow princess and just let... Your partner take care of you instead. Oh, he likes it. Of anyway. course, he loves oh God. it. He uh, loves it. The next day, Feyre says she's taking the day off from from training despite Cassian's protests because he's a tough coach. Mm-hmm. But she shoes him off, and instead, she decides she wants to take Nesta to the big library inside the mountain. At breakfast that morning, Feyre discovers that Nesta has exhausted all of her reading materials about her form of magic, potentially, and she had needed to find more about repairing the wall. So Feyre asks Cassian, who's there with Azriel, to check on her after she canceled today, to fly Nesta from the townhouse to the House of Wind, because they're all having breakfast together, basically, at the townhouse. Cute! And Nesta bristles at them, at the idea of Cassian taking her up to the House of Wind. But Elaine says to Cassian, he snapped your wings, broke your bones. Girl. <laughs> Jesus. Girl. They're and just still trying to have no breakfast. one listens. They're, but can we just, are yeah, we just going to be breakfast. talking in riddle? Are we just having all of our intrusive thoughts come out now? Because <laughs> she's obviously referring to when they were at the castle. And Cassian's just having a muffin. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't need to be reminded of he that. He probably hasn't had coffee yet. Give him some time. Feyre tries to escort Elaine out to the garden. But <laughs> let's, you know what, let's get her out of here. Let's wheel her out to the garden. But Asriel volunteers. Oh. He offers his, his arm. Oh, does he? He offers her his arm. Yep. Oh, does he? And uh, escorts her out. Dangerous waters here, buddy. But ones I want to swim in. Yeah. I like the danger. <laughs> Nesta glares after them but doesn't say anything. Cassian finished the muffin, licking his fingers. I could have sworn Nesta watched the entire thing with a sidelong glance. 
He grinned at her as if he knew it, too. Ready for some flyingness? <laughs> All she says is, don't call me that. Don't call me that. Yeah, it's definitely. It's definitely yeah. that. But that only delights Cassian that he's found something to annoy her. Feyre laughs and winnows away to the House of Wind, letting them deal with getting Nesta up there. Soon after, Cassian touches down with Nesta and she strides off without looking back. He watches her. His hands clenched and slackened at his sides, as if he were trying to loosen the feel of her from his palms. Ooh! Cute! Feyre thanks him, but he launches into the sky without a word. Yeah, he's all horned up! Yeah, and also probably sad. Because yeah. he wants a grip on her. Yeah, but he can't. can't. Oh, we can't catch her. She's covered in pus. Slip. Ew. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, in my head, it was like a cocoon. Out, like she's a butterfly. So she's covered in her like own pus. Yeah. Fluid? Like making fluid. Oh, yeah. like she's going to become the butterfly? Yeah, so she's in the cocoon and she's all like slimy, slimy mm. getting made. Okay. No, I get it now. You know, thank you. You get me. Um. Soon, Nesta and Feyre are walking the dim halls to the library, deep inside the mountain. Nesta shows no outward emotion at the massive library as she and Feyre walk through the winding rows. Feyre gently asks how Nesta knew what to look for in regards to patching up the wall within her own magic. Nesta says she just does. She doesn't know how, but she just can sense it. Feyre thinks that maybe she does know a little bit more about it, but doesn't enjoy the feeling of exposing her thoughts and being vulnerable. I didn't push. Even as I stared at her for a long moment, I didn't know how. How to broach that subject. How to ask if she was all right, if I could help her. I had never been affectionate with her. I'd never held her, kissed her cheek. I didn't know where to begin. Nesta doesn't speak anymore as they walk, but Feyre quietly gives her information about the history of the library and why the priestesses are here. She notes that the dark pit on her right as they spiral downward seems to grow thicker. But we reached a path of stacks that veered into the mountain in a long hall, fey lights flickering into life within glass globes along the wall as we passed. Nesta scanned the shelves while we walked and I read the titles, a bit more slowly, still needing a little time to process what was instinct for my sister. I just thought that imagery was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, But then we get a surprising statement from Nesta. Oh my God, is she being a human being? Kind of. She says, I didn't know you couldn't really read. And... It's sort of a, well, that's kind of on you, isn't it, Nesta? You never once thought to ask Feyre if she could read. You never noticed in all of those years that she could, like, uh, that's something you're going to notice from somebody. I mean, if you care at all, never once asked if she'd ever read a book before. Too busy waiting for her to bring you dinner, Nesta? Yeah. Feyre seems also irritated with this statement. Well, I couldn't. Nesta asks her why she didn't tell her sisters, and Feyre says, I trailed a finger over the neat row of spines. Because I doubted you would agree to help. Nesta stiffened like I'd hit her, coldness blooming in those eyes. Maybe it's 
that Nesta's asked her anything about herself. Maybe it's being under the mountain in the dark, but she feels emboldened to ask, why do you push everyone away but Elaine? Damn! And it seems like for a moment, Nesta's about to answer in some way that maybe isn't just a snide remark when something happens. Ah! Something ripples through the Ah. air that they don't quite understand. They look towards the pathway that they just walked down, and the fey lights start to extinguish one by one, heading their way. Uh-oh. Feyre knows immediate, immediately that they are in danger. She realizes she doesn't have anything but the one Illyrian knife with her, and that their fey powers don't really work at full capacity down here. Winnowing gets funny in the library. All she says to Nesta is, Run. She grabs Nesta's arm and they launch themselves away from the growing darkness. She panics as pulling Nesta along in her gown with no exercise to speak of has slowed them down substantially. And Nesta's body's not prepared to do something like this. She tries to reese down the bond. Nothing responds back. She wonders if it's also muffled from being inside the warded mountain. Ah! As Feyre and Nesta approach the end of the pathway, they have the option of going left or right, one leading up with the lights guttering out rapidly, and the one that leads down towards the bottom of the pit. Oh no, but we don't know what's at the bottom of the pit! Sometimes leap in the net will appear. I just wrote that. Oh, that's good. I didn't write that. Oh. That's, that's an old. I actually don't know who said that first. It's probably Nietzsche. I yeah. Know, somebody. Mm. Um, it's better than Snatchy. Yeah, you jump, you gonna fall. That's what Snatchy says. Oh, Snatchy the philosopher. Yeah, it's like Nietzsche, but Snatchy. I think it's coming out of my pussy, but I'm not sure. Wow. Wow. Um, Let's see. She decides in that moment to run right towards the bottom. On the way, she makes the decision to try to winnow them both out. Right as the darkness behind us paused and two high fays stepped out of it, both male, one dark-haired, one light, both in gray jackets embroidered with bone-white thread. I knew their coat of arms on their upper right shoulder, knew their dead eyes. Hibern. Ah! They have infiltrated Valaris. Oh, my God. She thinks, fuck this, and grabs Fernesta's arm. But just then, the men blow Feybane dust all over the both of them. Both sisters' magic dies immediately. Feyre then notices the priestess on this level is slumped on the ground behind the males. The males quickly explain in villain speak that they easily entered the library because they hid themselves as scholars. No. Nesta asks them who they are. The white-haired one smiled broadly as they approached. We're the king's ravens, his far-flying eyes and talons, and we've come to take you back. <laughs> ravens, Two you say? ravens, you say? Mm. Interesting. Was someone just murmuring while they <laughs> stared out a window about ravens and nobody mm. listened? Uh, always listen at, at the nonsense. Mm. That's what mm. you should do. Mm. 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 Feyre tries again and again to reach Reese, but she can't hear him at uh. all. 
The ravens tell the sisters that the king wants what Nesta took from the cauldron back. It's then that Pharaoh realizes that it's whatever Nesta took from it that is preventing the king from shattering the wall. Sick. Pharaoh weighs her options. There aren't many, but one that sticks out. Hmm. She stares at her sister and tries to get her to understand that she needs to trust her without words. I said to them, You've made a grave mistake coming here to my house. They sniggered. I gave them a returning smirk as I said, And I hope it rips you into bloody ribbons. Then I ran, hauling Nesta with me, not toward the upper levels, but down, down into the internal blackness of the pit at the heart of the library and into the arms of whatever lurked inside it. She's crazy. That's why she's high lady. Yeah, man. Because she goes there. She's like the end. She's the... That's like Degrassi. Degrassi goes there. Oh, Degrassi. Yeah. Aw. The end was the channel and said the end goes there. And then it also said Degrassi goes there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about... I guess it, it's Degrassi. It Excuse me. It's Degrassi. I know I can make it through. I know I can make it through. Faye Degrassi would be cool. Oh, I wonder what kind. Of, I, they would have very different teen problems. They would. <laughs> so they run and they run. Feyre knows that soon a priestess will see something's wrong and get Therese. But she also knows they have only moments to spare before the men catch them. They are about to reach the level where the fey lights stop completely the pit. But they don't stop and the ravens continue to follow and taunt them. Do you know what happened to them, the queens? Feyre drags Nesta further and further into the pitch black. The youngest one, that pinched face bitch. Whoa. Maybe they're New Yorkers. Went into the cold yeah. first. Whoa, it's Soprano version. Practically trampled the others to get in there after it saw what it did to you and your sister. Oh, no. Maybe what lives down there is Snooky. Maybe that's <laughs> that what's is in what the, the darkness yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy knew. All right, I'm going to try to do her voice. <clears throat> Feyre tells Nesta that she must run in no matter what, that if Feyre falls, that she must continue on into the darkness. The ravens tell them that the cauldron knew something was stolen from it, and it decided to punish the next one in. Oh, it gave her immortality and made a fay. But since something had been taken from it, the cauldron took what she valued most, her youth. They sniggered again. A young woman went in, but a withered crone came out. And from the catacombs of my memory, Elaine's voice sounded. I saw young hands wither with age. Twin ravens are coming. Elaine had known, sensed it, had tried to warn us. Yay, Elaine yes. is crazy! Yes, thank you! That's good to know. The sisters have now reached the very most bottom and the ground is leveled out, but they are completely blind. Feyre feels with her outstretched hands that there are moldy ancient texts down here. Chaotic stacks of books are all around them. The ravens continue to taunt them and Feyre has an idea. She responds to them, insulting the king and under her breath tells Nesta to look towards the ceiling and run towards the light that she can see at the very tip top. Run! I breathed. Please! She hesitated. Please! I begged her, my voice breaking. 
Nesta squeezed my hand once, and between one breath and the next, she bolted to the side, toward the center of the pit, the light high above. She uses the distraction of Nesta to start pushing over stacks of books, blocking herself in and Nesta out. She flails her arms around, trying to get her bearings, looking for a wall. In her pursuit, the ravens have lost her in the dark for a moment. Feyre calls out to whatever lives down here. Please help. A soft voice whispered in my ear. You the high lady? <laughs> Are you the high lady? I think that's Jerry <laughs> yeah, Lewis. No, that's not good. I forget her voice. Are you the high lady? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. High lady. High lady. <laughs> All right, I'll just do I'll do the not snooky. You are the high lady. The voice was both young and old, hideous and beautiful. Yes, I whispered. She pleads again, and then the thing asks, What shall you give me? It becomes clear that Farah is speaking out loud, and the thing in her is in her head, as the ravens are heard asking who she's speaking to. Uh-oh, she gone cuckoo bananas, mate. Maybe. The creature goes on to tell Farah that the stone speaks, and it's heard of her desire to trade with the carver. Farah's like... Yeah, I did, but can we wrap this up? Because I'm going to die. Yeah, dude. What do you want? And it says, Company. Send me company. I opened my mouth, but then said, To eat? A laugh that made my skin crawl. To tell me of life. Whoa. She says... She just wants some friends. She just wants some friends. She says that it's a bargain, and she feels a tingling on her arm where a bargain tattoo is being formed. Man, for someone that is told over and over again, don't make bargains, don't make bargains, because people around here, they're really good at, like, sticking the bargains to you. She just keeps making bargains. She does, but... The last they're good. One, the last one get, got her reason, yes. so, you know... She's kind of just like, yes, anding. Yeah, I guess. The creature asks if it should kill them, and Feyre says yes. Suddenly, the ravens appear from a corner. They have a ball of light over their shoulder, and they grin as they spot Feyre. And then they see whatever is behind her. Absolute, unfiltered terror filled their faces at what stood behind me. Close your eyes. The thing purred in my ear. And then the screaming began. Sick. All the kind of fun horror movie sounds, all the squishing and squelching. Yeah. But Feyre doesn't think it's fun. She's, I guess if it was like happening right in front of yeah. me, I'd probably also be like, oh, it's going to get on me. Especially you know? if you're not, if you see, if you open your eyes, it could be like make you insane. Yeah, which is sick. Yeah. So it's like uh, in the, what's the, in the, in the Indiana Jones yeah. Whenever they look at the, you, you know. Short round. No. <laughs> but they look at, when the Nazis' faces melt off. Oh, yeah. Snakes. Uh, snakes. Um, Was that why it had to be snakes? Why is it always got to be snakes? Oh, man, these snakes. And you look at them and my face melts off. <laughs> yeah. All this, uh, but yeah, so she's shaking and she's squeezing her eyes shut. 
Then there were warm, rough hands on me, dragging me away, and Cassian's voice at my ear saying, Don't look. Don't look. I didn't. I let him lead me away. Just as I felt Reese arrive, felt him land on the floor of the pit so hard, the entire mountain shuddered. Oh, that just makes me think of when he came so hard, the mountains <laughs> shuddered. I hope he wasn't coming for this. That's we- that'd be weird. Yeah, that would be. I mean, who knows? Sometimes people got things. You know, you get you get slippery, you get hard. You don't know why. It just happens. Just maybe the idea of saving his mate. Aw. But no, he's very angry. Oh. There's rage on his face, and he commands Cassian to get them out. Feyre tries to get to Reese, but he's gone. He's gone to deal with the ravens. Cassian grabs both sisters and zips into the sky to the top of the library. At the start of chapter 32, the sisters are sitting in the house of wind above the library, shaking, as Cassian gives them both big glasses of brandy to calm their nerves. Yeah. Yay. Although just sipping, I'm not a, I'm not a brandy sipper myself, so I think I'd be like, can I have some water? <laughs> you wouldn't, after that, you wouldn't want to have a little bit of liquor? I mean, I guess, but like, give me like, you know, a tequila shot or something, you know, I just feel like brandy. It's just, it's going to just sit at the bottom of my stomach. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you take what you take. That is also true. If if a booze is needed, a booze a is booze a booze. A booze is a booze. Yeah. booze. And a snooze is a snooze. Oh, don't even get me started. So shortly after this, Rizond appears covered in blood. Feyre thinks he looks like he's ripped the male phase apart with his bare hands. Awesome. <clears throat> He says that there isn't a sign that the actual king made it to Valaris. But then he notices something on Feyre's arm, the new tattoo, the band of black around her forearm, solid except for two little notches. He asks her with dread in his voice what she promised the thing in the library. She tells him, but then says it didn't specify when. So let's just circle back to it. Yeah, just give me friends like whenever you can. Reese says that the ravens were alive enough to look into their minds and and then he finished them off. He turns to Nesta. He wants to know what she took from the cauldron. I don't know. The words were barely more than a whisper. Even Amran can't figure it out. She seems to be being honest here. I mean, in this time, I mean, we kind of need it at this, yeah. you know. Come on, help us out here, Nesta. Yeah. And then Nesta looks to Feyre and says with surprise, you told me to run. And Feyre says, yeah, you're my sister. Like, she doesn't, Nesta just doesn't understand, like, caring for us. Yeah. But as she recalls this time... Nesta went to the wall to try to find her, that there are these moments that she does show love. She just doesn't know how. But she did try to go save Feyre. A little too late. A little too late. Yeah. But, you know, she she's trying. Reese is obviously rattled that the king has found his way into his city. Feyre realizes that he is so shaken that he had killed the ravens outright when he normally would have kept them for Azrael to interrogate. But yet... He thinks that maybe this is because the king isn't so confident that it was a great risk to infiltrate the city. And then he must have really felt that he needed to do it. Mm-hmm. When Feyre asks how he found them, he tells her that Clotho has a special ward that she can trigger like a bell when something is wrong. Sick. And it goes out to all the inner circle. They get like some kind of alarm. 
Warning, library, library, library. Get your ass to the library. Um, <clears throat> that would be a fun alarm. It would be. Cassian got there first, and then Reese sends the memory that Cassian gave to Reese out to Feyre. We enter Cassian's memory, feel his panic and anger as he barrels towards the bottom of the library. He sees Nesta first, running towards him in terror, and he can barely breathe. He said nothing as Nesta launched herself toward him, her dress filthy and disheveled, her arms stretching for him. He opened his own for her, unable to stop his approach, his reaching. She gripped his leathers instead. Feyre! She rasped, pointing behind her with a free hand, shaking him solidly with the other. Strength. Such untapped strength in that slim, beautiful body. Highburn! So she pulls away and Reese... Uh, Feyre pulls away from the memory and Reese then tries to lighten the mood slightly by making a joke about punishing people by sending them down to talk to the thing in the pit to fulfill <laughs> Feyre's bargain. <laughs> then he tells them to get it around the town that there is a curfew tonight, or at least a stern suggestion to stay off the streets past sundown, because Amran will be hunting. Whoa. Later on, they are all together in the townhouse, gathered for a meeting that has been called, even Elaine. When they are all present, Reese tells them that the priestesses have been sworn to secrecy about what happened that day, that it's important to keep this information from the other courts so that they don't doubt that they should be aligned with the night court. The people of Valaris won't know either, only that Amran is out doing official court business. Moore points out that right now they don't have any allies anyway, aside from Kier. But then Elaine says, the queen might come. Oh, the Riddler's back. Please give us some more clues, bitch. When they ask what she means, she says, the one who is cursed. Feyre thinks she's referring to the one that they just learned of, the one who's been withered into a crone. No. Elaine studied me, then her. Not that one. The other. Everyone's about to go, okay, honey, let's go get you to your herb garden. Let's take her to a window. Let her stare a little bit more. Except Asriel. Of course. No, he wants to know which one she's talking about. Elaine's brows twitched toward each other. The queen with the feathers of flame. What? Lucian seems inclined to think that she's having a spell, so her mate is like, oh, you're sick. Do you need something? She doesn't need anything. Asriel answered without so much as looking at Lucian. We are the ones who need. Asriel trailed off. A seer. He said, more to himself than us. The cauldron made you a seer. <gasps> We've got a seer and a love and triangle. A love triangle. I'm listening. What does she see in her future? I'm sorry, what seed does she have a uh, planted in her garden? Seed, yeah, seeds in there. Um She's going to have sex at some point, and that's going to be really great. She better. That would be so disappointing if she never has sex. Um, yeah, so that was a little bit uh, telling that 
Lucian didn't seem to know what she wanted, and then Azriel steps in, and he Mm-mm. he also kind of shuts down Lucian. Mm-mm. Eek, eek. Um, they could fight over her though with kissing if they want. I'll be the judge. Kiss, kiss battle. It's a kiss battle. Like, do they kiss each other? Or? They kiss each other. They also kiss me, and I'm the judge and of the kiss battle. Him. So I will judge who's the best at it. Okay. So I'm sure Elaine will be really grateful. She'll understand. She's so busy seeing. She's not looking. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that was profound. Thank you. Snatchy, snatching. Oh, yeah. that's your Jackie yeah, Snatchy. Yeah, I'm like I'm like Nietzsche. Jackie Snatchy. Um. <laughs> And we're about almost 50% through book three now. Oh, Yep, we're going to pass over 50% next episode. Yes. So hold on to your your britches. Because this, this book goes like madhouse. It is a lot of action. Yes. Very exciting. Um, yeah, I got to gotta take this wig off. I mean, my real hair. I need to take... Your real hair Not off. Real hair off. Well, I will. I guess I gotta go. I gotta get to shaving my sister-in-law. <laughs> so I guess we'll see you guys next week. Please read up until chapter forty-two. And now, dudes grappling with erotica for educational purposes only, featuring Danny Tamborelli and Jeremy Ballin. I moaned at the taste of him, and he opened his mouth for me letting me brush my tongue against his, scrape it against his teeth. Everything he was had been laid before me. One final question. I wanted it all. I gripped his shoulders, guiding him onto the bed, and when he lay flat on his back, I saw the flash of protest at the pinned wings. But I crooned, Illyrian baby, and ran my hands down his muscled abdomen. Further, he stopped objecting. He was enormous in my hand. So, gotta stop. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> he was enormous in my hand, so hard yet so silken that I just ran a finger down him in wonder. He hissed. Cock twist. Whoa. He hissed. Cock twitching as I brushed my thumb over the tip. I smirked as I did it again. He reached for me, but I froze him with a look. My turn, I told him. Reese gave him a lazy, male smile before he settled back, tucking a hand behind his head, waiting. Cocky bastard. So I leaned down and put my mouth on him. He jerked at the contact with a barked, Shit! And I laughed around him, even as I took it deeper into my mouth. His hands were now fisted in the sheets, white-knuckled as I slid my tongue over him, grazing slightly with my teeth. His groan was fire, to my blood. Ugh. Gross. Honestly, I was surprised he waited the full minute before interrupting me. Pouncing was a better word for what Reese did. One second he was in my mouth, my tongue flicking over the broad head of him. The next, his hands were on my waist and I was being flipped onto my front. He nudged my legs apart with his knees, spreading me as he gripped my hips, tugging them up before he was sheathed himself deep in me with a single stroke. I moaned into the pillow at every glorious edge of him, rising onto the forearms and my fingers grappled under the sheets. Reese pulled out and plunged back in, eternity exploding around me in an instant, and I thought I might break apart from not being able to get enough of him. Look at you, he murmured after he moved in and kissed the length of my spine. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just the visuals are horrible. I managed to rise up enough to see where we were joined. To see the sunlight shimmer off me against the rippling night of him, merging and blending, enriching. And the sight of it wrecked me so thoroughly that I climaxed with his name on my lips. Reese hauled me up against him, one hand cupping my breast, as the other rolled and stroked that bundle of nerves between my legs. And I couldn't tell him where one climax ended and the second one began, as he thrust in again and again, his lips on my neck and on my ear. I could die from this, I decided. From wanting him. From the pleasure of being with him. Reese barked my name. Fire. Thrusting his hips up. Stars wheeled as he slammed deep. I think the light pouring out of me might have been starlight. Or maybe my own vision fractured as release barreled into me again and Reese found his... Fire! 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 As he spilled himself into me. When we were done, I remained atop him. Fingertips digging into his chest and marveled at him. At us. He tugged on my wet hair. We'll have to find a way to put a damper on that light. I can keep the shadows hidden easily enough. Ah, but you only lose control of those when you're pissed. And since I have every intention of making you as happy as a person can be, I have a feeling we'll need to learn to control that wondrous glow. Always thinking. Always calculating. Reese kissed the corner of my mouth. You have no idea how many things I've thought up when it comes to you. I remember mention of a wall. His laugh was a central promise. <laughs> Next time, Fire, I'll fuck you against the wall. Hard enough to make the pictures fall off. Reese barked a laugh. <laughs> Show me again what you can do with that wicked mouth. I obliged him. <laughs> okay. God. <laughs> Oh boy, what a Tuesday. What a Tuesday. Hey babies! For more fairy talk and hot touch, join us every week here on LPN Deep Dive's Akatar, available wherever you get your podcasts. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.